Welcome back to another episode of Chopper Dive Podcast provided to you by 214 Media and SB Nation's Hogs Haven. I am your host, Molly Mall, Jamal Forrest, here with AJ. Dre is out today. Um, but we got a feeling. <laughs> we got a feeling, but uh also somebody that uh is a is a huge uh, uh, a really good commanders analyst um stepping in as well and we're going to get his thoughts on everything obviously logan paulson um without you know goes without saying um everybody in the the area is is now well acquainted with logan and, and logan man i appreciate you joining us today uh how are you feeling everything good everything's good man you know excited to be talking some football with you guys so absolutely aj i should have checked in with you as well uh i don't care that you the coach and I gotta, no, I gotta, no, I, make, mean, I gotta I'm make sure good. that you're good too. But yeah, 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 I'm yeah. good, man. Just uh, thankful that we we have Logan on here. Uh, his opinion is it comes with very high reviews uh, amongst the Commander fan base, and uh, yeah, just looking to chop up ball uh, with Logan. Well, I purposefully left out on my side. I left out QB questions, so I'm gonna give you the floor to to do anything and everything QB. AJ uh and, and and go from there but to start things off Logan as we gear up for the draft obviously uh which is a couple weeks away uh if you had to rank like the order of importance right uh for positional needs in the uh, with the commanders uh obviously we know cornerback and um offensive linemen are the most talked about rightfully so uh but if let's say let's add another position in there as well let's go uh top three or maybe even top four uh, in terms of positional needs uh how would you rank them um and, and why why would they be ranked the way that you rank them yeah i think that's uh that's a really good question it's going to be different depending on who you ask like even in the building <clears throat> so i would say just from my experience um just based on positional value i think you're looking for um corner offensive line probably some type of rotational edge rusher probably in the third round but if the value is really good in the second i could definitely see them going that way it's a very deep edge class uh some type of third down running back possibly depth at tight end and um, you know, probably one more offensive lineman at some point. I just think this group needs to get a little bit younger. And I think there are some very talented guys uh, in this draft. So that's kind of what I would say. And again, um, obviously like receiver, I, I miss linebacker. That's the other one I would say is mm -hmm. linebacker. I think um, the problem with linebacker in this year's draft is there's only a couple guys that are going to come in like right away and help you um, day one. So that'll be really interesting kind of how you allocate those resources and, um, the decisions you make with regards to that stuff. So that's kind of what I would say. And I, you know, you notice I said kind of every position almost on the team. And I do think like, that's what good draft process is. It's not like resting on your laurels at the position. It's saying, you know, what is our, what's our, what's our roster looking like in 2024? Like, what do we need to do to kind of build that out? So I think that's probably where, um, 
I'd say I would expect them to kind of draft at those positions. I don't know where, I don't know when. Uh, I would say offensive line and DB just because I think when they're picking at 16, the landscape looks pretty bleak at other positions. So I would probably go that direction. When you mentioned the offensive line part, because initially uh, you had mentioned, I think, rotation uh, or excuse me, uh, backup or just depth, generally speaking. Um, what do you think about the the interior offensive line as it stands? I, I, I follow your podcast, um, the Take Command podcast, and um, you did a good job breaking down uh, the free agents. Uh, but but your overall opinion, obviously, you know what they want to do. But what do you think about uh, the the strength of the offensive line as it stands today? Is it? Uh, well, I'll just leave it there. Leave it open. There. What do you think about the strength of the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Wiley's a good football player. I think he's got some limitations. You know, he came in as a guard and switched to tackle. So obviously there's a physical fro- profile that kind of is more conducive to guard than it is to tackle. But he does a good job. And I think Eric Bieniemy knows him and knows how to amplify and magnify his skill set like any good coach does. So I think that's a bonus. I think Cosme to guard is going to be a sneaky benefit. Um, I think Cosme is a tremendously athletic, be able to reach three techniques. He'll be able to be powerful in the run. He's got great bend. I like that. Obviously, you're you're projecting a little bit there. So is that going to work? I don't know. But in his limited snaps at guard last year, I thought he did a really nice job. And then uh, center, I think right now um, I'm not counting on Chase Roulet coming back just because of the injury. And it's not you know that he can't come back. It's just I've known guys who've had two pretty significant injuries back to back, and that can be really, really challenging to negotiate just from like a mental standpoint. So, um, you know, until he makes a, a de- declarative statement one way or another, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not counting on him. So, but uh, Ted Larson did, or Tyler Larson did a great job last year at center. He's back. He's healthy. Got to talk to him a little bit the other day. And I'm, I'm excited for what he brings. Obviously Nick Gates is your swing guy inside. I think it's pretty, um, is, is a good spot. And then left guard is the kind of the spot that feels the weakest because okay. it's the most unsettled. So, you know, obviously I think Norwell was a top, you know, 45, 40 guard in the NFL last year. I know people aren't super jazzed about that, but that's good guard play. You know, that's serviceable guard play. And then I think you're saying, does Chris Paul develop? Does Sadiq Charles develop? Um, and the answer is, I don't know. You know, obviously Chris Paul in the last game looked okay. There were some things that he needs to do better, but, you know, for not playing for 18 weeks or 20 weeks of the, the season and then coming in the last game, I thought he did a pretty good job. So, uh, <clears throat> I know fans want to crucify Charles Leno all the time, but I don't think that's warranted. I think he played fine. I think, um, you know, he's probably a top 15, top 20 tackle in the NFL. And I think that's pretty good for the price tag that he's at. So I'd say left guard um, is probably the spot I'd kind of keep my eye on the most, maybe depth at center. This is very kind of the top of the center class in this year's draft is pretty dynamic. You get three starters there. If you want one of those guys, I think maybe, maybe the fourth guy, the kid from Arkansas also put him in there, but um, I, I'm a big believer that they should probably look for some like a, a good young tackle. I think they've done a good job of finding guys who can play guard and have some position flexibility. But at the end of the day, I want guys that can play tackle and maybe uh, a guard in this class. So I guess I was going to ask a quick question. Do you think that this, the the way that that offensive line is constructed is, is too focused on versatility versus someone that, just straight out can play that position, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. It just seems like more than probably any other roster that I know of offensive line constructive wise, this, this unit seems to just bring versatility, which most cases you would think versatility is a good thing, but sometimes it's like, damn, just find your guy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? 
Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, like you said, versatility is an advantage because, you know, you only carry seven or eight offensive linemen on game day. So if something's going to happen, you need to be able to bounce guys around. I do think there's value there. And, you know, even when you're looking at the, the prospects this year, like one of the one of the reasons Peter Skronsky and Paris uh, Johnson are, are valued so high is because they played other positions on the offensive line in addition to playing the most valuable position on the offensive line, which is tackle, in my opinion. Obviously, you need good guards, but I just think it's a, it's a tougher position to to find the athletes to fit. So I think that's one of the reasons those guys are valued highly. Matthew Bergeron's another guy who's kind of in that second-round range who can play guard or tackle. Um, I think those guys, because they have kind of the physical measurements to play tackle, make me would make me more excited about drafting one of them in terms of giving you position flexibility. Uh, because I, one of the things I think they've done is they've drafted guys like Sadiq Charles, who played tackle but was obviously a guard. They drafted Chris Ball, who played tackle but was obviously a guard, like with very little upside to play tackle in the NFL. And I just think you lose tackle depth there. And I think, you know, for tackle specifically, I want somebody who can come in and play tackle. I, that's just that's just me. You know, I, and maybe that's because I played with guys who were like that over the course of my career. Like, could they play guard? Absolutely. But I want a guy who has the physical makeup arm length, speed, size to play that position on the perimeter and also kind of be a good enough athlete to bump inside. I know those guys are pretty rare, but I do feel like in this class, there are a couple guys, you know, Broderick Jones, I think has that ability. I think Darnell Wright has that ability um, to do that. So find a guy like that who has, who, who is a plus value at tackle and is a good enough athlete to play guard. That's kind of what I'm, what I'm pounding the table for um, is that, you know, obviously, like they haven't been that over the last couple of years in terms of their offensive line evaluation, but that's kind of my view on it. Now, if you ask them in the building, they might say something completely different, but that's my thousandth view of this group. So, uh, I guess follow up question would be Do you feel like it's important for them to take one of those guys that we're mentioning, like uh, Peter Skoroski, Darnell Wright, uh, Paris Johnson? junior if available at 16 or is this something that you feel can be addressed in the later rounds of the draft whether it be second third fourth uh based on your uh analysis of the prospects that are out there at tackle uh that can also flex the guard so i think what you see with the draft and you see it every year quite frankly is you see um true tackles getting pushed up boards and this is an interesting year i think is because they have Unlike last year, where you had a whole bunch of guys who were tackles, but were probably going to play guard. And um, now you've got a whole bunch of guys who can play tackle. You know, they, they are physically capable of doing it. You've got probably seven, six or seven guys, if I'm remembering correctly, that can play tackle at a pretty high level in the NFL. I think are NFL starting caliber players. And so you usually say, oh, that would kind of matriculate over the first two rounds. But what you see with guys with those skill sets is they get pushed up boards. So you know, we, we mentioned um, Peter Skronsky, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones from Georgia, Darnell Wright, Anton Harrison's another guy that I think can play tackle. Um, and then I think you go uh, Dewan Jones and then I think you go uh, Matthew Bergeron are kind of those top tackles. And I, I think there's a there's a world where all seven of those guys are, are off the board before Washington picks at 48. Now, could Broderick Jones or no, uh, Dewan Jones or um, Matthew Bergeron slide to 48? Absolutely. But is that something you want to be risking? Because I think after that, it gets a little bit thin. I really like Tyler Steen from Alabama. He's probably my eighth offensive lineman. He's he I think he did a really nice job playing left tackle for Alabama. But in terms of traits and size, probably more of a guard. You get um, Warren from Pittsburgh, who's kind of reminds me of like a poor man's Morgan Moses. He was hurt all last year. Um, 
but he'll be probably a third, fourth round pick. Do you want to bet on his physical upside? Really long arms, really good athlete, but still very raw. Um, and then you got uh, Wanye Morris out of Oklahoma, who's kind of the opposite guy to Anton Harrison. Measurables, very, very good, f- tested very well, but um, a little bit inconsistent with his play. So you know, obviously there seems to be, just in this conversation, kind of a tip-off in terms of tackles, right, after the first round, early second round. So I think just depends on, you know, what, what your evaluation is on those bottom three guys. Because like I said, I really like Tyler Steen, but I do think he's a – He's probably more of a guard at the next level, even though I think he's a, he, he's kind of like Cosby. He can play tackle, but will be a better guard. So if you draft him to play left guard, great. I think that's a fantastic pick, and I think that's going to make the team a lot better. But you still lose that kind of top-tier tackle presence, I, I think, um, uh, despite what I think of Tyler Steen, and I think he's a very good football player. I have one one more question uh, with O-line, and, and I want to put a spotlight on two people in particular, <laughs> Cody Mock and uh broderick jones that you you spoke on earlier sure um you've in, in both aspects you spoke on both uh previously i don't remember exactly where i heard this these one these these from but i know cody you wanted to make sure that uh he was somebody that that name that his name stood out there or remained out there for people what does he bring to the yeah. table in terms of a fit for washington and then Alternative, alternatively speaking, Broderick Jones, mm-hmm. um, you didn't say he was a bad at or prospect at all, but you just said he, he was a little bit further down your list yeah. than most people were talking about. And what concerns you about Broderick Jones uh, in that respect? Yeah, so let's start with Cody. I, the reason I didn't mention Cody in the tackles, even though he played tackle at North Dakota State, is that I think he's more of a guard. He's a little oh, yeah, bit just, light. Yeah, just to be clear, just to make, yeah. yeah, I know you just mentioned him as guard. I should have said that. Yep. Yeah, he's a little lighter. He moves really well. I think he's got excellent movement skills. He's competitive. He's got excellent position flex. Like at the senior bowl, man, like, you know, he never played center before in his life and he's snapping there and he did a great job. He's playing guard. He's never played guard before. He's a converted tight end. He's a tremendous athlete. And then in the senior bowl, because everybody pulls out of the game because they don't want to get hurt. He played left tackle for them. So he's just a football playing Johnny, a guy that I like. His tape's really good. I know there's some people who would criticize the level of competition and whether that flies at the next level, but I just see a big athletic dude who loves ball, who's very competitive, and those are things that I want to bet on. I want to bet on big athletic guys who love football and understand the angles to get to the second level and understand angles in terms of man reaches and stuff at the line of scrimmage. So I like him a ton. I think he's probably – I've seen people put him, put him in the first round, but to me he's more of a second-day type of guy. He's probably – He's probably my second guard, I would say. It's him, the kid from TCU. I can't remember his name at the moment. Um, and then I would put kind of in that same mix as like Osiris Torrance, TCU guard, Cody Mock. And it just kind of depends on your flavor at the position. Uh, you mentioned Broderick Jones. And I, again, I'm not as high on him as others. Um, he He's probably my, what is he, my fourth or fifth guy. I got, I got to check my notes again. But he's kind of in that same vein as... Darnell Wright, and I would probably give the edge to Darnell Wright. He's a tremendous athlete. He's very physical. He moves well in space. There's a stiffness there that kind of bothers me. He's very inexperienced when it comes to pass protection angles. He's only got 19 starts, which, again, is something that makes me a little bit nervous. He has a hard time anchoring versus powerful rushers, and he gets panicked versus speed rushers sometimes, which, again, those are things you can teach. But in terms of coming in and being a starting offensive lineman right now, like I almost think that like, I, while I think his upside is is tremendously high, maybe the highest of anybody in the class, I almost think like Dewan Jones out of Ohio State would be a better day one starter for your team 
than Broderick Jones. Now, a lot of people are going to bet on that upside, and I would too. That's why he's my fifth guy. He's ahead of Dewan. But just to give you some context, I think he's pretty. I think he's there's a rawness there. So unless you're trusting your offensive line coach to develop him, um, I would be. I would just be. I think. I think everyone's got him as like the third guy. I think it's just important to bring some dialogue about his play at Georgia and say, you know, he's big, he's physical, he's athletic, but there are some technical issues that I think could be exploited at the next level. Just like Tyler Steen, for example, like the way they coach their alignment at Alabama is very heavy, heavy footed on drive blocks and stuff. It's very deliberate feet, which doesn't usually translate very well to the next level. I think that's one of the reasons why you saw Neil, the left tackle out of Alabama last year, kind of struggle when he was up in New York. So this this last season. So uh, Evan Neal, there we go. Um, so I think that that's understanding that there are some technical deficiencies that can make the transition tougher. Same thing with Paris Johnson. But mm-hmm. don't think so. Paris Johnson. Let's talk about Paris Johnson just for a second. I know I'm kind of on a little bit of a rant here. You're good. But you're good. but Paris Johnson, I think, is the physically the freakiest dude in this class from like an offensive line standpoint. He doesn't have a strong midsection yet. He's still kind of a puppy in that regard. And he doesn't use his length at a super high level. And he has a hard time with power rushers. So he's going to probably take his lumps early on too. But I think you bet on him a little bit more because the technical deficiencies aren't quite as far as Broderick Jones, if that makes sense. So that just to give you some context, like I know these guys are getting really hyped up and they should be. They're good football players. But there are some technical issues that make you say maybe not as good as everyone is, is espousing, you know? Yeah, and I and I, I think that's my issue with this particular offensive line class and you know the the fan base projecting and, and some of these uh media pundits projecting offensive linemen at 16 overall. I just feel like there's a lot of deficiencies in a lot of these prospects as far as offensive line. But just to segue away from offensive line, um let's let's say you were running this team. You were mm-hmm. in, in charge. You were the GM of this team, um, you know, kind of touching on the quarterback situation with how this roster is currently constructed, um, the the coaching situation of Ron, you know, pretty much needing this to be. I don't even know if, if wins would really push him to <laughs> securing his job for next year. But if you were in this position, would you have – touted Sam Howe as being possibly QB number one, or would you have aggressively pursued the option of acquiring uh, a Derek Carr or let's say a Lamar Jackson and in, in, in paying that contract and giving away the, the two draft picks as capital if you were running this team? Yeah. So I think, you know, when, 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 when Ron made those comments about, you know, Sam's going to get the first crack to be the starter, I didn't take it that he's going to be the starter. I took it as he's going to get the opportunity to be the starter, which is essentially like what's come out since that initial statement. So I don't have any problem with that. I think when you, when you take a step back, right. So like my evaluation on Sam Howell was not overly high. I think he was like the fourth guy in the class for me, you know, which again, like I'm, I don't, I'm not a great quarterback evaluator. It's very subjective scheme dependent, all those types of things. But when you look at PFF, for example, he was the number one quarterback in that class last year, right. For them, I had a Kenny Pickett, I had everybody. When you look at this team here, I think they had a very high, preseason grade on him going into the draft i think he was maybe the first or second quarterback so if if you believe that and you know like look at atlanta for example they're giving desmond ritter the opportunity to start in atlanta this year at least that's what they're saying he's a third round pick they like his upside i don't see a lot of difference in some ways i think there's more arm talent 
and a little bit more moxie, a little bit more consistency from Sam's, especially Sam's 21 uh, tape in college that says, or 2020, 2020 tape, his, his basically his junior year tape or sophomore year tape that says like he can do more than he showed and he has some really high uh, athletic traits and some really high arm talent value that you think maybe. Um, I don't think that deterred them from exploring the options with Derek Carr. Um, I think they probably kicked the tires on all of those options. And, you know, I've been a lot of comments about Lamar Jackson specifically, like in, on my Instagram page. And what I'll say, what I'll tell you is what I told them is that the, I think the thing that's hanging up Lamar is a, that he doesn't have an agent B he's asking for $240 million guaranteed for a player that has a, has a not insignificant injury history and that has not played to the MVP caliber level in probably two years. So unlike Deshaun Watson and say what you want about Deshaun and all his off field stuff, he was the third rated quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in uh, the, the last year he played football, which I believe was 2020. So like, it's a different conversation around the product on the field in the most immediate, uh, in the most immediate visibility of him playing. So, um, I think that if, if Lamar was be willing to be a little bit more flexible with regards to how much money and how much guaranteed money he was going to receive, I do think he's worth $240 million. I just think you want to give the team some flexibility or the team wants some flexibility in terms of contract structure that would allow them to kind of mitigate some of the risk associated with him as a player. So that that's my thought on that. And I'm sure they had those conversations, but that's a lot of guaranteed money for a team that still is not all the way flushed out. And if you look around the league right now, there is a huge push by coaches, by owners, and by GMs to find a rookie quarterback to build your roster around, much like Philadelphia did, because it allows you to allocate financial resources to other positions and develop really strong rosters. So I think while maybe it's not the sexiest thing of all time, maybe getting Lamar in here would revitalize the franchise. I totally get that. Um, I do think that there is a, fi a significant financial advantage to seeing if Sam Howell is your guy moving forward. Hey, hey Maul, if you don't mind me asking, because I, I feel like we've had guests on here, but I don't think we've ever truly asked this question. Logan, were you present during training camp? Uh, yeah. yeah I mean, I of there. course, I know you work for the team. So you got to see hands-on how Sam Howe was doing in his opportunities to throw the ball, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of people said, let, let's say, for instance, when Carson Wentz got hurt against Chicago, a lot of people then came out and said that they didn't feel he was ready. Were you one of those people that felt like he wasn't ready to step in and step, instead of Taylor Heineke being put back into the starting lineup? And what made you feel like he wasn't ready? Like, what did you see that if if that's what you thought, that he wasn't ready? Right. So I think, you know, when you look at his training camp and preseason stuff, there was like a rawness to his play, you know, not getting his depth on his drops, throwing the ball late in the down, leaving the ball kind of inside on certain throws that in college are okay, but in the NFL, it's going to get you picked off. And I just felt like he did a good job, but it was, there was a little bit of way, a little bit of distance he still needed to make up. I think you got to see the tremendous ability, but like I needed to see a guy that was a little bit more refined. And, you know, I do get to watch practice in season also. And the problem is, is like, he was not taking a lot of reps at that point. You know, he's taken a couple practice squad reps, which it's hard to tell exactly what they're asking him to do. And you see his ability to put the ball where it needs to be. You see the talent, but playing quarterback is more than just talent. It's 
how's he digesting the offense? How comfortable is he with the protection calls? You know, it's tough. It's a really hard position to play. So I'm always a believer. If you can, like, let the guy sit, you know, and you had a guy in Taylor Heineke who, quite frankly, like balled out in training camp and balled out in the preseason and had a really high mastery of the offense. And I know he's got his physical limitations, but um, I think he was he deserved that opportunity probably more than Sam did at that moment. Now, I think the the conversation about him being the, the backup later in the year and him starting the last game of the season, I think that's a little bit more warranted and a little bit more relevant. But in terms of Chicago, I, I hadn't seen anything that was like outside of the kind of the wow throws in practice and the wow ability to kind of get the ball out of his hand so quick and layer throws to say that he deserved to start over Taylor or des- deserve that backup role over Taylor. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think fans like they want to see the new shiny toy as quick as possible. And I get that, but I just felt like, I just felt like he wasn't ready. Like, and I, I, I don't want my, uh, and I don't want to put a guy in a bad spot if I don't have to. And that's what Taylor Heineke afforded the team to do. They didn't have to put him in a bad spot. Um. So I have two more. Um, the last one's gonna be pretty interesting. Um, but let's start with uh this this cornerback spot. Um, recently we had on Keith Sanchez in our last episode of the Draft Network, and uh, and his two most recent mock drafts, he had Washington selecting uh Devin Witherspoon at 16 in both mock drafts, and, and in both those mock drafts at 17, he had Joey Porter Jr. and Deontay Banks, uh, respectively, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you rank those three, just generally speaking? Because I, I would assume that Christian Gonzalez would probably go way way before 16. Um, but but generally speaking, of those three, uh, how do you how would you rank them in terms of fit for Washington? Shoot, man, I don't think Witherspoon's gonna be anywhere in that ballpark, quite honestly. I think he's mm. gonna go at six to Detroit. And mm. I think if he's I think if okay. he's there, I think you take him. I think he's the best. I think he's he's the closest thing at the DB position to being a blue chip prospect in this draft. And I think the only reason you aren't super fired up about him is because he's a, he's a little stiff. I'm being very picky, little stiff. And it's kind of a one hit wonder in terms of production, but golly, man, his tape is, his tape is the business. Now it is very, very good. He's competitive. He tackles, he's talking shit to everybody he can find. Like he's a good, good football player. So I don't think, I think he's going to be the first corner to go. He's going to go ahead of Christian Gonzalez, I think. I think there's a world where Christian Gonzalez slides a little bit. I don't know if he gets all the way to 16, but quite frankly, like I would probably tier Christian Gonzalez, Jordan Porter Jr., and Banks kind of together, you know? And so based on that evaluation by me, um, I think Banks is probably the best fit because I think he's just a little bit more competitive than Christian Gonzalez. And that's my flavor now, mm-hmm. you know? You might watch him, Jamal, and say like, "Hey, I don't. That's not my guy. I, I prefer the smoothness. I, 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 you know, I prefer the the size and movement skills of, of Christian Gonzalez. But I just think, I think Banks is the guy, in my opinion. I think Porter. There's something about his film. Like he's very good in press. He's kind of like this freak of freaks in terms of corners. He's six two. He's 195 pounds. He's got 34 inch arms. Like that's like legit tackle arm length. And so he gets after dudes in press situations. But I just see him kind of taking creative angles to tackles. I don't know if he's got that, that killer instinct in him, you know, and I've played with big, tall athletic corners before who are very good coverage players, but they don't stay long in the league because ultimately you got to play football too. And I, and I think of those guys, um, Banks is the best football player. You know, he has his own deficiencies by, you know, by I'm fully willing to acknowledge that. 
I just think, you know, in terms of day one stuff, he's probably the guy you feel most comfortable with in terms of upside of those three. Christian Gonzalez is the guy that's got, you know, his upside's as high as it can go because physically he can do whatever you want him to do. And then Porter, I would probably put third just because I'm kind of like, I don't know. And again, like even in the, even in my evaluation, like if you said, I, if you were like, I prefer the upside, then Gonzalez is by far your number one guy. I think Witherspoon is the number one guy definitively, mm -hmm. but of those three, I just mentioned, I think Gonzalez would be number one. Banks would be two and Porter, or that, if you're going upside, Gonzalez, Porter, Banks is probably how it goes. But in terms of playing right now, I would say Banks is probably my favorite guy based on the film. And again, no evaluation is perfect, but they're in the same tier, right? They're in my tier two corner. So I would be comfortable taking any of those guys at, at, um, at 16. So uh, I saved the best for last. I guess this is kind of new for us, um, but it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on it. Uh, we're going to do a versus um, commander style. So I'm going to give you two players that will be there with Washington's first pick. And I didn't say it's 16 for a reason. So we got to just sure. use our imagination. They trade back, they trade up that whatever spot or they stay at 16, whatever. Um, and you have to choose for them and explain your take while you're, while you're choosing that one person over the other player. Um, I'll start off and I'll go with um, Peter Skoransky or Paris Johnson. Ooh, that's, that's a, a great, bit of, okay. That's a great question. That's a great question. Cause I like Paris Johnson <laughs> a lot, but I think, I think the, if you're looking for the most surefire thing, the highest floor in this draft is Peter Skronsky. Like he is so technically sound and I don't know if he can play left tackle. I don't know if he can play right tackle. He's got 32 inch arms. He's got the best technique of the group, but he's going to be a good guard. He can play center. Like he's just going to help your team out, you know? And so if you want like the safest pick, it's Skronsky. I think if you're looking for upside, I think Campbell brings that. I think, like I said, Campbell played guard two years ago, and I think he did a really good job there. He played left tackle last year. He physically, I remember we talked about the frame with offensive linemen, physically can do whatever you need him to do, unlike Skronsky, where that's a little bit of a question mark. But, you know, if you're a betting man, you're picking wherever you're picking, like I think you just go you and you want to hit the ball out, like get the ball, get on base, have a nice double or triple. Peter Skronsky's your guy. Paris Johnson, there's a little bit more strikeout potential, but there's also a higher higher percentage you hit a home run, you know, in terms of like what he brings athletically. He's got 36 inch arms. He's 6'7, he's 315, 320. Like he's a he plays the game hard. Like I love his film. I just think there's a little bit more risk there. AJ, you want to go? Uh yeah. Uh, with you being a, a former, a former tight end in this league. And also, um, Quick little shout out, seeing the, what was it, episode two yesterday, you had a little uh, part in that that episode <laughs> with your interaction with uh, EB, yeah. uh, going back to your your days at UCLA. Um, it, it's good to know that you guys still have that rapport with each other and recognition. Yeah. Um, but I would ask you, let's see, let's go tight end. 16, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah or Michael yeah. Mayer out of Notre Dame. To me, it's not even a question. I think I think if you're looking for upside, Kincaid is the best pass catcher maybe in this draft, including receivers. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think, you know, may have an edge there. But he's the reason he's even being mocked at 16 is because he brings that. And I hate comparing people to Hall of Fame players, but he's got like a Kelsey-esque ability to like catch the football and adjust the ball in space. He's not very good in line, but here he wouldn't have to do that, right? Because you got John Bates here. So I think Michael Mayer is a better, a more well-rounded prospect, but I also think Michael Mayer's ceiling is not very high. 
I think he's going to be kind of like Cole Komet. You know, he's not going to separate great versus man coverage. He's got a big body. He's good in line, but I don't think he's ever going to be excellent at anything. Um, and I like him a Cole, lot. Isn't isn't Cole from uh, Notre Dame as well? Yeah, Notre Dame, classic Notre Dame <laughs> tight end. So yeah. yeah, so that's what I'd say. I, like I think I think they'll both go in the first round. I think those will be the only two tight ends to go in the first round, unless someone takes a flyer on Washington, which I think would be kind of a mistake. But I would say I would give the edge in terms of my evaluation and upside and play, and I think it's Kincaid all the way. I'll, uh, I got one more cause I know, I, I know we got the time coming up, so I'll, I'll do one more. AJ, you got one more. Uh, okay. Anton Harrison or Jameer oh, Gibbs or Jameer. Whoa. They're not even the same position. Um, mm-hmm. I love, yeah, I, I love, <laughs> I love Jameer Gibbs. I love him. I love Anton Harrison. Um, so what I would say is if you're picking at 16, I'd probably go Harrison cause I, I think it's just too high for a back. You know, I, I don't think you can pick a running back at 16. I think if you're picking at 48, you can go either way there. I, I would take I would take him at 48. I would take him if you were trade up in the second round. I'd take him, you know, in the top half of that second. I think he's a very, very good dynamic football player. It feels a huge need for this team. I love his film. But at 16, anywhere in the first round, if you're not um, if you're not Bijan Robinson, I'm not taking a running back. So um, I would say Anton Harrison out of that. And that's not, again, I don't dislike gibbs i yeah, love it's either or look that's the that's the purpose yeah. of the game you know right but <laughs> i'd say anton harrison in the first round is what i would say aj so maybe i don't even have another versus i probably just want to play alongside this jameer gibbs i did that that's my favorite prospect in this in this draft class really uh, especially especially for what i envision eric b enemy wants to do um mm. and what i feel like this running back group is missing do you do you not see someone of that nature being, I mean, let's say Washington trades back. Cause I feel like in reality, 16 is a perfect spot for them to trade back and acquire additional picks within this draft. Do you not feel as though one of those blue chip running backs, such as Jameer Gibbs or B. John Robinson could be vital to adding to this running back room? Cause I'm not quite sure that Brian Robinson uh, Junior and Antonio Gibson, as it stands right now, are truly fits for what Eric Bieniemy is going to want to do here. Yeah, I think this is more of a this is more of an NFL philosophy direction it's going question, in my opinion. And you know, running backs are devalued for a multitude of reasons. One, it's running back up by committee. There's no, there's very few like true bell cow running backs anymore. So how many touches is he going to actually get? What is his actual impact on your offense? And also running back play is so heavily influenced by offensive line play. So as much as you like, I, in some ways, this is going to sound crazy because I think Bijan is, I'm not going to say that because I actually don't believe that. But you know, what I'm going to say is that like drafting an offensive lineman here, just hypothetically, or a good blocking tight end or whatever it is, right. Is going to elevate. Were you going to say the word generational? No, I was going to say there is a world where Gibbs <laughs> has a bigger impact on an NFL offense is what I was going to say. But then I was thinking back to Bijan's like how he catches the football, how he pass protects. And I was like, probably not, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Gibbs is a very special player in that way. And so having him would be outstanding. You could move him around the formation, man's on tells. You can beat linebackers in one-on-one. Like I love that fit, but I just think you'd be drafting him more as like a slot receiver for the value, you know what I'm saying, as opposed to a pure runner. Because if you're looking at just pure running ability and pure pass protecting ability, his value is kind of 
medium. It's the pass catching space playing satellite stuff that gives him that value. So that's kind of the way I would approach that selection. And I think, again, running backs shelf life is like four years, five years, then you're on to the next one. So what is the actual value of that pick and what is the actual value of that position? And I think that's more what we're talking about here is like you can get Devon A-Chain middle of the second. And what's the difference between him and Gibbs? It's there is a difference, but is it significant enough to warrant taking a guy in the first round? The 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 salary, all that kind of stuff. So I would say always slow play running back, just and that's just because that's the way the the, the NFL is going at the moment. We gotta go ahead and um we're gonna we're gonna stash this AJ this this game and and, and run it back with some more people. Uh, hopefully uh, we can get you on maybe an, another time before we get on with the draft, Logan, and, and run this back. But I want to give you the floor, man. I appreciate your time uh, as always. And, and just let the people know where they can find you and hear from you. Oh, yeah. So obviously my Instagram, Logan underscore Paulson 82. Try to put a lot of my content on there. Do a lot of stuff with the Commanders Media team. And so if you want content from them, check out the web, their website, which is commanders.com or their YouTube page, which is um it's washington commander's youtube page and then obviously my podcast the take a man podcast check that out and i think that is pretty much everything yeah so that's where you can find me hey look all i'm saying is and craig has said it a couple times but you are missing out without that twitter account oh he's gonna put it out there it's a scary thing man twitter's a scary <laughs> i mean is, is he he's probably gonna just get harassed by these crazy ass commander fans yeah they're gonna be yelling day. at you but he's gonna be all right they probably do it on instagram already yeah they do a little bit i got a nice community on instagram people treat me nice there it's good but hey man appreciate you guys you know appreciate you guys having me on the show a lot of content and uh i'll, I'll for sure try to be back if our schedules can accommodate yes, sir, man. take care enjoy your weekend boss man and be safe thanks for you too damn set huh watch him throw the ball we gonna pick it up you gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off? You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off? Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trap or Dive.